0: Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willette. Well, good morning, church. Just so happy to be here this morning. Jesus is here, so it's going to be a good day. So you can just wake up every day and just, that's that's the first thing I try to just say as I open my eyes. This is going to be an amazing day today because our words are powerful. We just want to declare what God says over us every day. So yeah, presence nights on Wednesday. Um, if you just need some more from the Lord, a touch from the Lord, um, come to those nights. Um, that's the most I've felt the presence of God in a while this past Wednesday. Just like the power of God was just so powerful. Wow, the power was powerful. (laughs) The presence of God was so powerful. It was so heavy, and there was just like such a a spirit of peace here, and uh, yeah, so I just encourage you. um, You know, we just really felt we're like, what what do we need to do? Do we need to go back into our... our, uh, Revival groups, and we just felt like fire on. Let's do a midweek service where the only priority is the presence, and we just—it's not a—it's not another message. It's just coming into the presence and just uh, being in that place of of presence with Jesus. It's so refreshing and powerful. So I want to talk about evangelism. Uh, we went out. Seven of us went out yesterday. The guys represented. Yes, thank you, Jesus. And, um, and there were, there were women too, men and women represented well yesterday, and it was just such a powerful time, and uh, two people got saved yesterday, gave their heart to the Lord, yes, and so this is so awesome, nine people, since we started going out just at the beginning of January, have given their heart to the Lord, just in these Saturday times that really, it's, it's like an hour that we're going out each week, and, God is on it. It's it's so powerful. I just want to share a couple of testimonies. Um, two of our teens, uh, among that seven, was two of our teens that went out with us, and for the, they were for the first time just stepping out and praying for strangers right there in the street. It was so powerful. And our team is getting bolder. You know, we have a we have a time we meet at uh, eleven thirty on Saturdays, and we have a time of just training. So if if the Lord's put on your heart, maybe you're a little scared. Um, come and you know you don't even have to do anything you can hang back and just kind of watch somebody else do it it's a time of training and it's a time of, of prayer and encouragement we go to lunch it's really relaxed it's, it's really in a place of, rela- of rest we're just enjoying company and then we just kind of go out as the Lord leads us and we're just sharing the gospel with people the gospel when you preach the gospel to someone you are prophesying over them did you know that? It's on the wall right over there. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when you just share the cross with someone, that the simple gospel message you're prophesying to people. And man, we see it. It's like you're just t- talking about Jesus. And it's like people, it's like you're giving them this powerful prophetic word, or you're you're giving them like, you know, their their address. And like, you know, it's just like people are just, they're just like you know, captivated by this gospel message. And it's it's so it's the power of the gospel that's going forth, that's touching their heart. It was fun yesterday. There was a couple, a young couple, and Caleb and I were were just talking to them. And I just said, you know, hey, let's try something. I said, just put, put out your hands. You know, they were just really open. So put out your hands. And I just said, Holy Spirit, come. And I immediately just felt the presence of the Lord. And I was like, oh, Lord, I hope they feel what I'm feeling right now. And I was like, what do you guys feel? Now, now, listen to this. This is not. This is somebody who doesn't know Christianese, has not been in church. And this young woman, I just said, do you guys feel anything right now? And she goes, I feel heat in my hands. So it's, it's like, you know, Paul said, when I go and preach at the churches, he said, I'm not coming with persuasive words of wisdom, but I'm coming with a demonstration of the spirit and power God shows up. The Holy Spirit showed up in that moment and just demonstrated His power and His presence right there in that moment. And that that young girl gave her heart to Jesus just moments after that. And so I want to just encourage you if you're like, I don't, I'm not good with words. I'm not like, you know, I'm not, I don't have the personality. It's not. It's it's like Paul said. I don't come with a persuasive word of wisdom. It's it's I come with the demonstration of the Spirit and power. And when we share that simple gospel message, it has like power behind it. So it's very. Easy to share that message. Anybody can do that. So, yeah, it was so awesome. Um, let me see, did I have any other, other testimonies from that? There was a lot of them, so I'm sorry if I'm missing any. But, yeah, we're continuing to go out. So, if the Lord's putting in your heart, 1130 right here on Saturday. So, I want to talk to you today about Joseph out of the book of Genesis. And so, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, We just welcome your presence to this place. Holy Spirit, come. Father, we just pray that you're just speaking to each heart this morning. We just pray that we're receiving something directly from you. In fact, just put your hand on your heart this morning. Just say, Holy Spirit, come. Speak to me. I want to hear you speak to my heart today. Thank you, Jesus, and we just rebuke every distraction away right now, and we just invite you to speak, Holy Spirit. I just pray that you take my tongue and you speak through me today, in Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk to you about Joseph. This is Old Testament Joseph, not New Testament Joseph. It's, uh, his story starts in Genesis 37. And the title of the message, if you're a note-taker, is The Favor of God. The Favor of God. And so, how many know Joseph is a type of Christ in the Old Testament? He's a type of Jesus. You know, there's shadows of Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. I love uh, that story. Jesus is with his disciples on the road to Emmaus. This is after after he... Uh, Rose from the dead. It's Sunday. He's with his disciples. They're discouraged. They're like, you know, they don't even really understand that he was going to die and, and raise from the dead. So they're with, he's with his disciples. They don't recognize him. And it says he sat down with them and starting from the books of Moses, which would be the first five books of the Bible, and going through to the old, to the prophets, all the way from the beginning Genesis to the end of. The Old Testament says, starting from the books of Moses to the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Do you realize what he was doing? He was showing, him, showing them himself all throughout the Old Testament. So we have types and shadows of Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. And Joseph is a, a beautiful representation of the new covenant of grace that we have in Jesus Christ. How many know in Christ, we have amazing favor, we have amazing blessing, and we have grace? So I want to give you a little backstory on Joseph this morning. I think all these little details just add to the story. Joseph's father, Jacob, was the trickster. Jacob, this is the one who tricked his brother. He tricked his father. He stole the birthright. He was a a trickster. And then to... Because he was afraid of his brother after he stole the birthright, he flees to another place, another region, and he meets this woman, Rachel, and he instantly falls in love with her. He instantly falls in love with this, this woman. And the trickster gets tricked. He goes to this woman's father-in-law, which ends up being part of his family, and um, this man, Laban, his father-in-law, says, if you work for me for seven years, I'll give you Rachel. I'll give her to you in marriage. And so we know what happens. The trickster gets tricked. The deceiver gets deceived. Seven years are up, and he ends up um, getting forced to marry Leah. I always say Leah, and it's not not Star Wars Princess Leah. Leah, I got it right. Uh, He ends up being forced to marry Leah. And then essentially what happens is he gets Rachel on credit like a week later He says, okay, I'll give you Rachel. He knows that he's been tricked, and he's kind of stuck now. And he's like, I'll give you Rachel if you work another seven years for me. So he gets Rachel a week later on credit. And so Rachel, this is important to know in this story, Rachel is Jacob's true love. He's the one, or she's the one that he wanted, and that's his true love. So his true love, Rachel, after he has both these wives now, she's not having children. But Leah's womb is is fruitful. She's having all these children, like one after another. It's like our family. We're just having them one after another. <laughs> but but we're done now, though. <laughs> gate's closed. My wife is very fruitful, but we're like, Lord, no more fruit. We have we got enough fruit, Jesus. We love you. We love you, Lord. Man, there was like. I don't even know if I even share it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to listen to my wife right now and not share that. <laughs> okay, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So uh, Joseph, was he was greatly favored by his father. And, and this is so important. This is a picture of God's unmerited favor towards us. The word grace means unmerited favor, unearned undeserved, unmerited favor. How many know you didn't do anything to earn your salvation? If you did, it wouldn't be unmerited. It wouldn't be unearned. It wouldn't be undeserved. If you could somehow earn it, it wouldn't be unmerited favor. Grace is unmerited favor. You didn't earn it. And you can't do anything to maintain it. Amen? Paul says this in Galatians chapter 3. Verses 1 through 3, he says this, You foolish Galatians, Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He's actually speaking to people that actually witnessed Jesus being crucified. He's like, who has bewitched you? You saw Jesus crucified. Verse 2, this is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So we know we receive salvation by hearing with faith, and it's our acceptance of what Jesus did. In verse 3, he says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So Paul's actually kind of annoyed in, this, in, in Galatians because there's somebody that has come into the church and he's like, yeah, yeah, saved by faith, that's good. But we have to do this and we have to do that. And, and he's like, Paul's really annoyed with this guy. If you want to know how annoyed he is, just read Galatians 5. He has a really interesting thing that he wants the guy that's bothering them to do. And I'll just leave it there. And so he's annoyed by this guy that's coming in, and he's saying, "Yeah, it's it's saved by faith, but you got to still do this to maintain it." And he's like, "You that have has accepted salvation through faith, do you somehow think that now by your works you're going to maintain it?" And so he's telling them, "You got it by faith, and you maintain it by faith. There's nothing you can do to add to it." And so we see this with uh, Jesus in that story where he's with Mary and Martha. You know, Mary, uh, she's with Jesus, she's just at his feet, and Martha's busy, she's just working, she's working, 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 and she's annoyed at Mary. She's like, why aren't you helping me? And Jesus tells her, he's like, he's like, Martha, Martha, he's like, she's chosen the good part just to sit here with me at my feet, just to sit here. Sometimes we think we got to work for Jesus, like get busy, like I've seen a bumper sticker that said, Jesus is coming, look busy. I, I was a true story <laughs> right and and we see from Jesus himself he's like Martha just come and sit at my feet Mary's chosen the good part just to be with me just to sit at my feet I remember years ago we got a dog Sammy he's like the cutest little dog and we've had him for about 10 years now and I remember years ago he would always just come and just lay on my feet like usually he'd lay right on my feet and uh, I remember the Lord spoke to me just really clearly one day, and he's like, I want, you, I want you to just be like Sammy. Just come and sit at my feet. Just come and sit at my feet. We need a bumper sticker for our, our, our church. Be like Sammy. <laughs> sit at the feet. <laughs> just come and sit at my feet. So Jesus doesn't want us working hard for him. He wants us to sit at his feet. That's why worship is so powerful. A lot of times we just come into worship and we're just sitting at the feet of Jesus, and it's like the answers are coming, the peace is coming, like things are, are just happening with us just coming into his presence without us working hard. Jesus isn't like our boss at work, or <laughs> like, here comes the boss, look busy. So, because of our faith, we're like Joseph in that God's unmerited favor is all over us. It's all over our lives, whether we recognize it or not. God's unmerited favor is all over us. So Joseph, his father's favor was really obvious. Like, it, it really bothered his brothers that this Joseph, he was so favored. He had the special coat, and his brothers were laborers. They were actually working out in the field. They were doing the hard work, and Joseph, his job was to attend to his father. And just sit at the feet of his father. So that was Joseph's only job was to attend to his father and bring his father pleasure. So I just want to tell you this morning, you bring the father so much pleasure. And there's no work required in it. There's no heavy labor required. You bring him pleasure just simply by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Just simply come and sit at his feet. So Joseph's brothers were laborers, and they represent works of the flesh. They were doing the hard labor, and Joseph's brothers, who were out working hard, didn't experience the father's favor. But Jacob, or I'm sorry, but Joseph, who was continually by his father's side, was highly favored. How many have seen that movie, Joseph, Prince of Dreams? Yeah, I just we just saw it. Like a couple of weeks ago, it's really good. Um, it's an animated movie done by DreamWorks. It's very similar to Prince of Egypt, if you've seen Prince of Egypt. And we just sat down the whole family and watched it. Really well done. Powerful movie, not just a kid's movie either. You would enjoy it even if you don't have kids. Yeah, so good. So Joseph is betrayed by his brothers. We know the story. He's betrayed And he's sold into slavery. And the spirit of religion and works will always persecute the spirit of grace. It will always persecute the spirit of grace. Religion is hard labor and works. His brothers represented like hard works of the flesh, religion. But grace is just receiving God's unmerited favor for you, resting at the father's side like Joseph did. So Joseph is sold into slavery. And, and by the way, guess who purchased Joseph? This is, this is interesting. Does anybody know who purchased Joseph? Just shout it out if you know it. I never caught this. I just, I remember he was sold, and, but I didn't catch who actually bought him. Who said, somebody said it. Potiphar, but who bought him before that? When he was sold to Ishmaelites. Yeah, people. He was sold to the Ishmaelites, which this is interesting. So Joseph's great-grandpa is Abraham. Abraham got a promise from God. And God told Abraham, "I'm, go- you're gonna, your wife's gonna have a baby, and it's gonna be a miracle. It's gonna be 100% me because his wife was already past childbearing years. And so, Abraham, or God said to Abraham, "I'm gonna do something that you cannot do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna produce this child that's impossible for you to do in the flesh." They get impatient, and they actually try to make it happen in the flesh. And so, Sarah, Abraham's wife, gives. Abraham, her slave, and they have a child, and it's out of works. It's produced out of works, and it produces Ishmael. So now we see four generations later, the Ishmaelites persecuting Joseph. they actually purchasing Joseph. So just an interesting piece of that story. Something born out of the flesh is who actually buys Joseph initially, and then he gets sold to Potiphar. So Jacob's sold into slavery. He's purchased by the Ishmaelites. And then Potiphar, he goes into Potiphar's house. And Jacob gets taken to Egypt, sold as a slave. And listen to what God says about Joseph. I'm sorry, Joseph gets taken into Egypt. He's sold as a slave. And then this is what God says about Joseph in Genesis chapter 39. It says, Genesis chapter 39, it says, The Lord was with Joseph... And he was a successful man. It's Genesis 39, 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. This is right after he just got bought as a slave. I guarantee you, Joseph did not feel like a successful man in this moment. He did not feel successful. He was a slave. He had nothing. Most most theologians and scholars believe that. He was probably sold, like when he was sold, he was completely naked in chains. So he literally had nothing. He didn't even have the clothes on his back. But God says, this is a successful man. So Joseph was a slave and he had nothing. But God calls us successful, not because of what we have, but because of who we have. We're successful not because of what we have. We're successful because of who we have. So you are successful right now in your life because of who you have. You may need to start to declare over yourself, I am successful in everything I do because of who I have, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Joseph was successful because he had God's favor on his life before he was outwardly successful. So if you look at your life and it doesn't look outwardly successful, start to believe and declare that God's favor on your life will begin to manifest on the outside. Because his favor is on your on your life. So 1 John 3 1 says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Children of God. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. It's so important to understand the Father's heart towards us, and we are extremely valuable to Him. We're extremely valuable to Him just because of who we are, not because of what we do. You are valued by the Father. You're valuable to Him. And He's lavished His love. It just reminds me of the song we're singing today. By the love and mercy that He's lavished on us. He's just lavished His goodness his love on you so we get our identity from our father and we need to get our value from how our heavenly father sees us we need to get our value from how the father sees us not how anybody else sees us not even how we see ourselves. we need to get our identity from how the father god sees us So I believe that one of the things that sustained Joseph during this whole process was knowing his father's heart towards him. He knew that he was favored. He knew that he was valuable. He knew that he was loved. Why? Because of the way his father, Jacob, treated him. So he knew all throughout this process, like, he had an inner sense of value because of how he was treated by his father, so we need to know how God is actually seeing us. What He says about us, we need to meditate on that and get this deep sense of internal value from how the Father sees us. And when we get that, it doesn't matter what happens to us in life. Like all these crazy things happen to Joseph, it won't matter what you go through. You'll be able to overcome it because you have this deep sense of value inside. You won't let what's happening to you on the outside tell you who you are. Amen. So God wants you to have a deep sense of of his love, of his grace. We sing that song today. He loves us. And I loved Michael's testimony of just making that confession. God, Jesus, you love me. You love me. And I believe that's what sustained Joseph. He knew I'm valuable. God is with me. So Joseph knew he had tremendous value because of how his father saw him. It doesn't matter what other people think of you. It's the father's thoughts. It's the father's heart about you that matters. It's the only thing that matters. We remind ourselves when we're going out and doing this evangelism because, and I've just felt, I'll just share this testimony. I've just felt each week as we've went out, I've just felt such a pleasure of God on it. Um, and it's, it's so reassuring because we're like, you know, you, you come across rejection and all kinds of stuff, but it doesn't matter what other people are, are putting out at you. It matters what the Father thinks about you, and I just feel his pleasure on it. My friend Levi, he, uh, he shared something recently where um, he was at a restaurant, and... He felt like he was supposed to go share Christ with this, this group of people at, at another table. And so he went over to the table, and he's like, hey, I, I just want to just tell you guys, you know, Jesus loves you guys. And, you know, and one of the guys at the table just erupted, and he's like, I'm the biggest heathen you'll ever meet. And he's like angry. Now, how many know, like, when you run across that, it's like when you mention the name Jesus and someone gets angry, it's a spiritual force that's that's rising up. And he, he, like, apologized, said, I'm so sorry, I did not mean to, like, offend you guys in any way, and he just leaves them alone. He goes and pays for their meal, and he buys them, he goes, this might sound weird, but I felt like I was supposed to buy him a bottle of wine. He pays for their meal, and he bought him a bottle of wine, and he left, and he said, uh, he said, as he left that place, he just felt the presence of the Lord just come over him, just like, just like the pleasure of the Lord just come over him. So it doesn't matter what you come across. And, you know, there's there's so many things that you may feel like the world is seeing you in a certain way. Your spouse is seeing you in a certain way. Your children are seeing you in a certain way. Your boss or your coworkers are seeing you in a certain way. But none of that really matters. What matters is how the Father sees you and what the Father says about you. That's what we need to hold close So, the enemy, what he does is he takes those hard moments in life, especially times when you're mistreated by other people, and he tries to pin that on God. He'll try to pin that on God. That person mistreated you because you're not valuable, and that's how God sees you as well. You're not valuable to God. He'll always try to take what's happening outside of us and pin it to God the Father because he wants us to mistrust God. He wants to create this perceived separation where we feel like God's angry with us. He wants to put the shame in there. I almost talked more about shame today, but I was like, I don't think I'm going to have time. But shame actually separates us from connection with God. It's, It's like this thing, it's this feeling where it's like, I'm not worthy of God's love, and it just draws us away from the Father. But Jesus actually took your shame. He despised shame, the Bible said, and he took it upon himself. So we don't have to live with shame. So stay grounded in how the Father sees you, and don't worry about how other people sees you. See you. So God called Joseph a successful man. But then he goes from being a slave to a prisoner. How many would question God in this? God, this is heading the wrong direction. This this is not going in a, in a way that seems like success to me, God. God, if this is your idea of success, I don't want it. Don't please don't make me successful. This is going in the wrong way you know and and we laugh and it's it it is interesting but like what about things in our country right now are like god this this looks like we're going in the wrong direction what about things in our world even just with the pandemic and all the uncertainty like god what's what's going on this seems like we're going in the wrong direction but i want to just tell you this morning god has a plan god has a plan let's say it together god has a plan Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the plan I have for you. He's got a plan. He's got a plan specifically for each person here. And we need to just ask him, God, I know you have a plan. What's your plan? And it's. I promise you it's good. He says it in that verse. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and hope. If you want to know what your future is, it's God's given you a good future. He says, he says, have hope about it. I'm giving you a good future. You can have your hopes high. So God has a plan. Don't be discouraged when things look like they're heading in the wrong direction. Like Joseph, he's like, oh, this things just went from really bad to even more bad. Don't be discouraged. He, his favor is on your life, and he has a plan for you. Your greatest moments are ahead. I believe that. I believe that. Your greatest moments are ahead of you. The greatest revivals haven't happened yet. They have not happened yet. We're probably going to get to be a part of the greatest revival this planet's ever seen. I believe it's coming. So no matter what things look like in the natural, he has a plan, and he's setting us up for revival and breakthrough. If you want to know what his plan is, I mean, it's all throughout the word. His his thoughts are good towards us. He wants us to have hope. But he's setting us up for breakthrough and revival, glory to glory to glory. The righteous are like the light of dawn. They get brighter. So he has a plan to take you farther. And to make you more effective in what he's called you to do. And the the interesting thing and what can kind of conflict with our brain is we, we don't get it by works. But we get it by just coming into peace and rest with him. And he's just increasing us on the inside. And out of the overflow of our hearts, we begin to just become a blessing to everybody around us. God has a plan. So we know the story Joseph interprets. Pharaoh's dream, and he, he becomes second in command. I know I'm skipping a lot in the story. He becomes second in command in Egypt. He gets married. He has children. He's royalty at this point. It's a big turn of events. He's in charge of all of Egypt Now the success that he has on the inside begins to manifest on the outside. And I just want to declare over you this morning, if you don't feel, if you're like looking at your life and like, this does not look successful, I want to declare over you the success that's on the inside is going to begin to manifest on the outside. Our job is just to sit in the presence of God, come into his presence, know him. And the success, you'll start to feel the success on the inside and his favor on your life. Like Joseph was so loved and so favored. By his father, and it's it's just a, such such a beautiful picture of how God sees you and how He favors you. He has clothed you just like Joseph had that coat. The Father has clothed you with the robe of righteousness. He just He's calling you to just come and be by His side, just like Jacob and Joseph. Just sit in His presence, and He wants to just love on you and adore you. And out of that, you'll just everything will flow. You'll become successful on the inside. You'll become successful on the outside. So there's one more thing I want to mention in this story. This is, to me, it's just so fascinating. There's another hero in this, in the story of Joseph. Actually, Levi talked about it when he was here last, and and I'm just going to kind of expound on some of the things he shared. It was really good when he shared this. So when Joseph's brothers come to Egypt to buy food, you know, there's a, a famine in their land, and... They come to buy food, and Joseph has gotten the interpretation of the dream that said that there was going to be a, a famine in the land, and so he, they've been, they're prepared. They've been storing up all this food, and so not only do they have provision for all of Egypt, they have provision for other nations as well, and there's a prophetic word for somebody right there. God's going to give you provision, not just for yourself in this time, but you're going to have enough for nations, for others around you, and it's just because of the, the favor of God in your life. And so Joseph has all this extra provision, and and all these other people from these other nations are are coming to get some of this extra provision that he has. And so his brothers end up coming. And if you know the story, you know, Joseph ends up framing his brother. Um, He actually doesn't know at this time. So remember, again, Rachel was Jacob's true love. And Joseph, one of the reasons he was so favored is because he was the son of Rachel, Jacob's true love. And Jacob or Joseph doesn't know it, but he has a brother from the same mother. Wow, that rhymes. Your brother from the same mother. <laughs> Not a brother from another mother. <laughs> he had a bunch of those too. But he had a brother from the same mother. <laughs> and this this is Benjamin. I was laughing the other day we were on a we are on a BLN uh, call, like a Zoom call, and it was Benjamin, Levi, and me. I'm Dan. That's three of the tribes of Israel. Anyway, like, like we're representing the tribes of Israel right now. So he finds out that he has another brother that's from Rachel, his mother. He says, this is my mother's son. This is, this is my full brother. All, all the other brothers are half-brothers. And one, one thing interesting in the story is he brings all his brothers and he has this big feast for him, but he gives Benjamin five times the portions that everybody else gets. How many know what five represents? It's the number of grace. Joseph is the son of, of grace, he represents grace. Benjamin is another son of grace. He gives him five times the portions that he gives the other brothers. And there's another hero in the story, so I, I like stuff like this. If if you look at the line of Christ, it talks about it in uh, Matthew in the in the very first chapter. But it's Abraham, it's Isaac, it's Jacob, the trickster, and then the next one is who who knows it? Judah. It's Judah is the next one, not Joseph, which is interesting. So if you know the story. He frames his brothers like they they did something wrong. And particularly, he frames Benjamin and he puts a silver cup into his bag so that when they leave, he sends his guards out after him and says, go after them. They've stolen something. So they they stop them and they're opening up all their bags. And then Benjamin has this silver cup in his bag. And, he's, and they're like, you guys have stolen. How, how dare you treat, you know, the kindness has been shown to you with evil. It brings them all back. Now, I, I forgot a piece of a story that's very important. Benjamin, uh, Jacob was very reluctant to send Benjamin. He says, I mean, they're they like really trying to get Jacob to allow him to go because Joseph said, don't come back again. This is the second time they're there. He says, don't come back again unless you bring your younger brother. I don't want to see your face unless you bring Benjamin and Jacob literally tells him, he goes, I will die. If, if you come and you come back without Benjamin, I will die. He goes, it'll be the end of my life. He's like, because Benjamin was so favored by by his father, and he, it's interesting, he didn't say, if any of any of you other ones die, uh, I'm not gonna be okay. But he says that about Benjamin. He says, if Benjamin dies, I, I will die, if he doesn't come back, I will die. So there's a lot of pressure, and these brothers are there before Joseph, and Benjamin gets framed. And so here's, here's just an interesting thing. I just love, love Jesus. Judah. Judah's the one in the line of Christ. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah. Uh, Joseph is going to take Benjamin and says, he's going to be my slave. You guys can go in peace, but this one's going to stay here and be my slave. Who steps up? Judah. Judah steps up, says, take me instead. Let him go. Let him go back. Take me. Who is this a picture of? Jesus. You know the story of Barabbas, when they put Jesus and they put Barabbas in front of the crowd. Barabbas is like, oh man, how in the world, like, I'm I'm dead. Like, this is Jesus we're talking about. I'm dead. Basically they're saying, who do you want to be crucified? And they say Jesus and Barabbas gets let go. And I just always imagine Barabbas seeing Jesus be crucified and like whoa, that should have been me. That should have been me. I got I got off the hook. I was guilty. I deserved that. But Jesus took my place. How many know we're all Barabbas? All of us are Barabbas. Jesus took all of our places on the cross. And Judah does the same thing. It's a picture of Jesus. He says, no, take me instead. I'll be your slave. Leave me here. Let my brother go home. So good. So Judah, who's in the line of Christ, by the way, Jesus is known as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He steps up, says, take me instead of Benjamin. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. It says that he went in the other room and he just wept before he revealed himself. And he cried so loudly that his other attendants in another room heard him crying. He composes himself. He goes back and he eventually reveals himself to his brothers. And he says something really interesting. He says, it wasn't you that sent me into Egypt. It was God. God. Because they're just racked with guilt. Like, they had come to full repentance at this point. They sold them into slavery, but at this point, they'd come to full repentance. Like, man, we really messed up when we did that. And he tells them, he lets them off the hook. It wasn't you that sent me into Egypt. It was God, that I would be a savior for my family. What a beautiful picture of, of Jesus. So God sent Jesus to the earth to save his family. That's you and that's me. You are God's family. You're dearly loved by the father. You're dearly loved and he's just calling you to come and be at his feet. Just like, just like Joseph, this is, it's, we overcomplicate this so much. Just like Joseph, his, his only job was attending to his father, being in his father's presence. You're dearly loved. The Father just he just longs for you to be in His presence. You're successful not because of what you have. Not because of what you have, but because of who you have. You're highly favored by God, and your only job is to sit at the Father's feet and bring Him pleasure. <laughs>